0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If there was one word that you could pick today that would be considered the most divisive word ever, what would it be? Don't say it out loud, just think about that. What would be the most divisive word that you could possibly think of that if you showed up into some sort of crowd or small group or even with your family and you blurted out this word, all of a sudden, everybody gets the jitters. People's heckles go up, they become angry, and they become frustrated with you and immediately begin asking you all sorts of questions. What word comes to mind? What word do you think would be answered in our society today? I have one word that I'm gonna put before you today that might kind of surprise you, maybe not. And that is love. Love is probably the most divisive word in our society today. Why? Everybody uses it, right? And when we think about love, we think about this sincere affection and appreciation and just admiration for whatever it is. I love the Arkansas Razorbacks, Pastor. Well, I like the Purdue Boilermakers. And you might look at me like I have three heads. I love the Tennessee Titans, Pastor. Well, I love the Carolina Panthers. And you might look at me strangely enough as it is. I love my husband. I love my wife. I love chocolate. I love soup on hot fall, or on cold fall days. I love snow on Christmas Day, but no other time of the year. Love, 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 love. And yet when we sit down and talk to everybody around us, we see signs that say all all that we need is love. That's what the Beatles said. Elton John even said, can you feel the love in the air tonight? And all that we see around us today is, is that we just need more real love or that love somehow will conquer everything. But what does this mean? What does this word love mean? Does it mean I like something or does it mean something different? Does it mean that I'm passionate about this or that I even maybe lust after this? That I will do anything possible in order to attain this possible thing, person, or whatever else it is? Or is it something beyond even our scope or our grasp? See, we're all boiled down to little emojis, little hearts, little thumbs ups, little eyeballs with heart signs on it, whatever it might be, and we just talk about this word love all over the place, and yet we're confused at times what this means. And I would dare say if I sat down with you all here today and asked you what is it that you truly love, nobody would agree. Nobody would agree. And that's why it's completely divisive amongst us. I love the Democrats, I love the Republicans, I love Ukraine. Everybody's saying that right now, huh? And rightly so. But when we get this word love set before us today, we have to understand the ancient way of viewing love. The Bible, the Greek Bible, has four different words primarily that are used for love and they don't all mean the same thing. How many words do we have? One. And it means everything from my wife to chocolate down to whatever else it might be. And then we hear about this love today in 1 Corinthians 13 and it sounds like it is absolutely impossible amongst us. And you know what? It is. I have sat down with premarital couples planning out their weddings, future husband, future wife. And this is often one of those texts that somebody wants to have for their wedding. First Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And we sit there in the context of a wedding and we think about this new couple that's getting married and we hear that sort of reading read, but did you notice what that says today? When you say that you love your husband or your wife, what are you actually saying? I will always be patient and kind. I will never envy or boast about myself. I will never be arrogant or rude. I will never insist on my own way. I will never be irritable or resentful. I will never rejoice at all of your wrongdoing. I will rejoice in the truth. I will bear all things. I'll believe all things. I'll hope all things. I even, as a good husband or wife, will endure all things with you. How's that going for you? Yeah. And when we sit down in the context of premarital counseling and talk about this, we have to look beyond the plastic, sugarcoaty, plastic nature of what we think love is all about. Love is something that is divisive. Why? Because there's only one person that I love the most. Me. I love myself, and because of that, you all get to suffer. You all get to suffer because I'm so self-centered, so self-loving, so self-concerned about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, that everybody else needs to get out of the way in order that I can experience my love when and where I want it. And guess what? You're all the same. And now all of a sudden, we're a bunch of people who are completely in love with ourselves that we completely forget and do not even understand what it means to love somebody around us. And if there was ever a reminder for us today of the world that we live in, just take a look at this past week. Take a look at what's going on in Europe right now take a look at who we are as a country today take a look at your own life take a look at the church maybe how we've treated one another in the life of the church or how people have treated you in the life of the church it doesn't seem like it's full of l-o-v-e this is why god must come to you and to me from outside of us and give us a forearm shiver and a smack in the head, and show and tell and reveal to us what true love is. Greater love is this, Greater, no greater love is this, that one should lay down his life for his friend. People have been talking about the president of Ukraine. He's not leaving the country. He's put on war fatigues and he's going to battle. Look at the love of country that he has. And we might look at this and say, this guy's nuts. It's crazy. He's gonna go out and get himself blown up. It doesn't make any sense. He needs to protect himself because he needs to be a leader for his country during this very difficult time. But there we see the fact that he's not even concerned about himself. Even in this uphill battle, he's going out to sacrifice himself and who he is for the benefit of his country. And far beyond him stands Jesus. Jesus, who has come to take on our greatest selfishness, our greatest self-centered ways, our greatest ability of being unloving people. And he has come to reveal himself in human flesh and blood, not to sit there and say, if you just try hard enough and you have enough faith, maybe you can feel the love or show the love. He says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You do not know how to love because you are dead in your trespasses. And he comes along to reveal to you his greatest love which the world looks at as failure. He lays down his life for you on the cross, giving himself up wholly and freely, body and soul, shedding his blood to forgive all of your sins. This is the love that covers a multitude of sins. This is why I just told the kids a few moments ago, when you read First Corinthians 13, Don't think about your marriage vows or anything else. Replace the word love with Jesus. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful for you against you, even when we have gone against him. Jesus does not rejoice in your wrongdoing, but he rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never fails. He has laid down his life for you and for the life of the world so that no matter what we face in this life, if Europe is going to be on fire or we are coming under attack later on, if we cannot agree on what it simply means to love your neighbor as yourself, he will continue to cry out of his unending love and compassion for you. A love that knows no end, a love that will constantly seek you out where you are in life, no matter what you endure. A love that has promised to prepare a place for you. A love that will never fail you, even in your darkest of moments. So what are we to do about all of this? Is it eight steps to being more lovel- more loving in your life? No! We simply are to do nothing. To do anything else would be to be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Most of you know I'm a drummer. Got a few drum sets downstairs. One of my largest cymbals is 24 inches in diameter. You might ask whatever, that doesn't mean anything. It is a loud cymbal. It's one of the most lovely symbols I have ever owned. It's one of the most beautiful symbols to make music. But I can beat it to death, and it will annoy my band to no end. If we are going to make our definition of love what we think it needs to be, then we are nothing more than a noisy cymbal or a, glang- gang- a clanging gong. Today, as we come into Jesus's presence, we are quiet. We sit in silence. We put down our weapons, our electronics, our self-centered ways, our burdens, our hatred, and all of our strife and struggles. And we leave it because above all of it, Jesus rises hanging from a cross, walking out from the empty tomb, And the world that we live in today is changed forever because it revolves around that cross. A cross that is given to you. A life that is given to you. A death that is given to you. A resurrection that is given to you. A love that is given to you. In the cross of Jesus, you see the true meaning of love. True love. Baptized into you. Spoken into you into you today it is true and no matter what we face no matter how divided we can be we are reminded that Jesus will love us by his blood now and to the end of all eternity, end of all time to Christ alone be the glory forever and ever amen